Hi, listeners. Before we get to the episode, I want to take a moment to address the June 24th Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, a decision that stripped away the legal right to have a safe and legal abortion. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive health care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans, a decision that could also lead to the loss of other rights. To learn more about what you can do to help, go to podvoices.help, P-O-D-V-O-I-C-E-S dot help. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. Thank you. Welcome to Explorers Wander. We are a weekly Numenera actual play podcast, except for this week when we are a die RPG podcast. I will be your kind and gentle GM who you only have fond memories of, Daniel Anderlich. With me today is Stace Babcock. That introduction concerned me. I'm feeling a level of concern for you, Daniel. You're, you're sticking around, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to stay friends after this, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Samson Davis. So I know we're kind of supposed to be against AI at the moment, but I've been seeing a lot of the Balenciaga AI stuff, and it's fucking hilarious. Have you guys seen this stuff? No. It's like Harry Potter Balenciaga, the fucking Breaking Bad Balenciaga, The Office Balenciaga. It's the funniest fucking shit. Okay. I I guess I don't know what Balenciaga is. It's a brand that got in trouble for a questionable photo shoot. Ah, okay. (laughs) Okay. And outspam. I thought the, you know, only fond memories of was implying my threat to kill Daniel, because he said that's how I win the game. <laughs> I'm just saying. Fair enough. Fair enough. But you know how else you could win the game? Would that be diehard dice? Kill, killing Dan? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's by rolling large numbers. We like large numbers in this game, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Rolling large numbers with diehard dice dies in the die RPG pot. Diehard dice. It's a fantastic online purveyor of wonderful, beautifully crafted metal and acrylic dice. You can go on there, find whatever color, whatever material you'd like, as long as it's metal and acrylic. They should do wooden dice. That'd be cool. Ooh, that would be fun. Just pick your favorites. Pick your friends' favorites. Get them all. And when you go to checkout, you can get 10% off your order. That's a l- 10% off high-quality dice using our code, Explorers Wanted. You get high-quality dice for a little bit cheaper. You help support the show and... You can roll high numbers to kill Dan. I lost the thread of where this was going. So buy diehard dice and use our code. Thank you. Goodbye. (laughs) So we don't have to worry about what happened last week because this is a one shot. So I'll just give our listeners at home a little preview of what to expect. Die RPG. It is by Rowan, Rook, and Descartes, the same fine people that give us Heart, the City Beneath, and Spire, the City Must Fall, as well as games like Honey Heist and uh, others of that variety. This game is an adaption of the comic book series I recommended as a player, Intrusion, a while ago called Die by Karen Gillen and Stephanie Hans. Today, I'm going to be asking our players to do double duty because they're essentially playing a two-layered individual. Our players will be playing people who used to game together back in high school and after drifting apart, they have agreed to play one more game during their high school reunion. And those individuals are going to be sucked into the RPG game world that they're playing. 
and they're going to be trapped there unless they can get out. Our players today will be playing both the personas, the quote, real world individuals who get stuck in the game, as well as dealing with being paragons, their in-game personas from the character sheets from their teenage years. And they will then be pulled into this game and have to sort through that. I will also be playing a character. I will be playing both the persona of the GM and the GM's paragon as well. So this one's going to get a little wild and probably quite meta. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Normally, we do all of the character generation, for the most part, off mic in advance. But that's a big part of the experience to die. So while the players have some ideas about what they're going to be doing, choices they make, we're going to be discovering a lot of stuff together as we go through this. So that will actually be this first stage here as we go through the group and character generation. So with that in mind, you all used to play fantasy role-playing games together as teenagers at school. It's been 10 years since you all graduated. And the one person that you've pretty much lost touch with over all this time is your old GM, Jeremy. Although you remember about midway through high school, he insisted everybody start calling him Jericho just because he thought it sounded cooler. Whether you call him Jericho or not is up to you guys. <laughs> That's just what he wanted to have happen. In advance of the 10-year reunion, your old GM reached out to each of you and cajoled you into getting together for a game. How your characters feel about being cajoled into that, whether they're optimistic or skeptical or begrudging, that's going to be up to you. But I do have a series of questions that I'm going to be asking you guys. The first questions that I'm going to be asking, I'll, I'll direct each question to a single player, but other people can chime in to build on that as well. So, Stace, why did this group originally get together in high school? What drew them to each other? I'm going to say they met each other behind the bleachers when cutting class. Okay. So you guys were cutting class pretty constantly around the same time. Then. Definitely not smoking cigarettes or anything else <laughs> out there. Okay. So like splitting class just to sit outside. Yeah. I think I like to imagine we all had our own reasons for it. Oh, that just kind of coincidentally, we all came together. Okay. I like that. But I'm going to start doing with all these questions because I, I should have done it with the first one and I'm, I got a good answer. So I'm going to stick with that. But for each of these, I give a list of three possible suggested answers for this. Uh, but the fourth option is always something else that you think is better, more fitting. So you guys were cutting classes. That's how you met up. What was the school like? Was it like an average comprehensive school? Was it a total shithole? Was it an expensive private school or was it something else? I'm going to ask Alex that question. I'm going to say it was an expensive school. <laughs> okay, <laughs> cool. Wasting, wasting our parents' money constantly. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Private school tuition is crazy. Yeah, and we can't appreciate it at the time. Maybe that's how we also got away with like skipping class was that the teachers were already mm -hmm. paid. They didn't really give a shit. Mm -hmm. Or they didn't have to give a shit if they didn't mm -hmm. want to. I said it was expensive. I didn't say it right. was good. <laughs> okay. So obviously, Jeremy slash Jericho was your person who ran most of your games together. Some of you might have like led a one shot or something like that. But Jeremy was usually the one always running games. For at least your biggest campaign, which was a fantasy world campaign, where was the game set? And this question will be coming towards Samson. The examples are the Eternal Empire of Athen, the Fields of the Zephyr Children, the Shadowlands, or something else. Mm. 
I think Jer called it a song of steel and stars. Mm. Yeah. And then I think like that, that was the name of the campaign that Jer called it. And then the actual like location was the eternal empire of yeah. Athens. Athens. Good. Okay. No, no. The nocturnal empire of Athens. Okay. I cheated and already said how many years had been since you left school. Unless somebody wants to change it. We had 10 years is what I said, but we could do five or 20 or whatever. 10 is good. Then for each one of you, I'm going to give you a list of options. You can always choose something else. But how did people think of your persona at school? Were you the academic A student, the class joker? Were you just plain creepy? Were you the bully, the jock, so quiet you were almost invisible, an elitist snob, a tech nerd, a hard case, or something else? Why don't we start with you, Samson? So can I say my persona's name? Because I did figure that out. Absolutely. If you know your persona's name, you can say it now. Reynolds Bellman was perceived to be a tech nerd. Mm-hmm. That's the stereotype of being a tech nerd. What way was Reynolds different from it? Uh, Reynolds was actually a finance nerd, but Ooh. he was perceived as the tech nerd just because he had a relatively early computer literacy, just from like all the various financial programs and stuff. Reynolds knows more about finance mm-hmm. than I do, so I'm going to say that he knows stuff. Okay. So that's kind of how he differed. Okay. And when Jeremy slash Jericho reached out to you to play this game at the reunion, why did you eventually decide to join? I know immediately Reynolds is not having a good time as an adult. So this was definitely like, oh, all right, we can go back to a simpler time. Mm. So I guess nostalgia, wrap it up into one word. So Reynolds is actually looking forward. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Stace, what about your persona? How do people think about you at school? So Imogene Harwell definitely tried to be a rebel. She was always like had like a pink streak in her hair and like wore her uniform on the edge of, I don't know, I don't want to be inappropriate in the sense of like covered up, but like unauthorized items, accessories, things like that. So yeah. Too much flair? A little too much flair. Yeah. She tried <laughs> a little too hard. So she was seen as the rebel. And how did she differ from that stereotype? Yeah, that was, uh, you know, what she tried to be at school, but... At home, she was the dutiful daughter. Mm. Nice. Okay. And when Jeremy slash Jericho reached out to you to play this game at your reunion, why did you decide to join? Because getting to pretend to be someone else was one of her favorite memories of high school. Nice. Alex, your persona, how are they seen at school? (sighs) I guess I'm going to name my persona like Robin Wales and like, they were, she was definitely like the glass clown. And so mm-hmm. she, she chose like the Joker to just be herself, like, because not mm-hmm. much thought going on up there. So that's the stereotype. In what way was she different from the glass clown? I don't think she was actually very funny. Mm-hmm. I think she's one of those people who was just like, I'm just being brutally honest, but like, no, you're just being oh. a dick. <laughs> and she thought if she said it loud yeah. enough, she'd be funny. Um, just rude (laughs) yeah (laughs) wow okay they didn't want her in the group but like they needed the numbers Mm. and she said yes (laughs) and when jeremy jericho asked you to do this game at the reunion why did you decide to join at first she was like really reluctant because like she's changed as a person and she's like i Oh, God, I don't want to be reminded. I don't even want to go to this reunion because I'm embarrassed of who I was as a person. But then, like, after some wheeling, she's like, okay, fine, I'll I'll do it. 
And I'll just, I'll show everyone I'm a better person now and I'm not that person. Okay. And what did Robin love and hate about playing the game with this group back in high school? I think she loved it because this was like the only time she got to be with other people. Mm. Because like I said, she was... She wasn't a funny class clown. She was just a kind of an asshole. So people didn't want to hang out with her. But this was like the one time people were like, yes, we need her here. Don't leave. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what did she hate about playing with the group? Uh, that they were trying to like stop her from being like the funny one in game, what she thought was funny. And like she was going to be like right. the, just trying to be like, make it all about her. But yeah, it's what my character would do. Oh, fuck. Yeah. But you need those numbers because you can't real having a two person campaign's hard. Yeah, I would say Jeremy Jericho probably was never like he could not balance for two players. Mm. Like no matter what he did, it was always off. He needed at least three for any of his encounters to work. What did Reynolds love and hate about playing with this group? So Reynolds being a finance nerd, I think never really got to express that in like the normal school day stuff. Mm-hmm. But he was the guy willing to keep track of, like, all the equipment and gold and all the, like, nitty-gritty number stuff. And I think he really enjoyed, like, being mm-hmm. able to actually, like, flex that. Or at least oh, having, nice. like, a role okay. that he was comfortable in and people needed him for. Right. Okay. And what did he hate about playing in the group? I think he very frequently got annoyed that the others did not have the eye for detail that he wanted. Like, mm. I, I, I think basically he was annoyed by other people's playing style that they weren't as like detail oriented if that makes sense yeah he was the guy that wanted to make sure everybody was tracking every arrow they fired yes. and things like <laughs> encumbrance that. yep yeah yeah that that's yeah exactly like he that was what part of what made the game fun for him exactly yeah okay and stace what did your persona love about playing with this group i think she loved the adventure of the game and mm-hmm. just some of the quick banter between the party members okay jokes and what did your persona hate my persona wanted to hit everything with a stick and (laughs) she would get frustrated when the rest of the party did not want to hit things with sticks no negotiation only violence yes just talk to the old woman come on we don't need to no beat her up (laughs) we were sent to the old woman for information why did you decapitate (laughs) (laughs) now we have to search her hut (laughs) okay Cool. Stace, do you have a name for your persona yet? Yes. Turgon the Terrible. That's your paragon. Wait, whoops. Imogene Harwell. I'm going to keep getting those confused. Ooh, I like that. Okay. What was Imogene's interest at school? Was it sports, TV shows, books, games, comics? Like, what What were, what were was her faves? Ooh. I got to say, she really enjoyed woodshop, metal shop, the trades. Okay. How about Reynolds? What was his interest in school? Uh, finance. He wanted to go on to be a Wall Street guy, banker. I don't know what finance people... Watched Wolf of Wall Street too many times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think... Yeah, I think... I don't remember the guy's name, but I, that was his Andrew Tate in high school, if that makes sense. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. There was some... <laughs> there was some toxic shit going on in uh, Reynolds' head at the time. Wow. Okay. He grew out of it. He grew out of it. I hope. I think. I think he did. We shall see. There are no longer wads of dirty printed off Excel sheets underneath his bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. At Robin, what was your interest back at school? Jim. 
gym attack. I feel like that's the one class you can canonically be a dick in. You know, dodgeball, get shit on. Yeah. 1v1 me, you pussy. Mm -hmm. And did Robin have any hobbies outside of school? I think she was into gaming. Mm -hmm. Except, like, it wasn't like she was a pick-me during the games. (laughs) Mm. Like, I'm not like other girls. I like playing Call of Duty. Oh, man. Okay. Imogene. Yeah. You had something specifically shitty to deal with back in school. What was it? It could be one or both parents died. You fell in with a wrong crowd and got a record at some point. You were seriously ill. You had to stay in the closet or something completely different. Ooh, I want to say she got a record. Mm. How'd she get the record? Excessively shoplifting from the mall. Okay. You were excessively shoplifting from the mall. Did you do that on your own or was there like a bad influence you also rolled with that got you to do that? Yeah, some bad influences. I would say... Her stepsister and her friends were not awesome. Am I going to add vandalism to her rap sheet, too? That seems to fit. I feel like she probably vandalized something at the school. Yeah. But just general mischief that she got up to until her her older stepsister graduated. Okay. Okay. So you got a record. That was your shitty thing to deal with Mm -hmm. back in high school. Reynolds had a goal in life. What was it? Wanting to have kids and family, wanting to be a rich entrepreneur, wanting to turn your passion into a life, wanting to get the hell out of town and never come back, or something else. He wanted to turn his passion into a life. Like I said, he wanted to be either a big Wall Street guy or an important banker or run an investment firm or something. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Robin, you had a significant gift at school, something with real potential, and everyone was aware of it. What was it? Some examples could be that you were a gifted writer, you won prizes, that you were a great actor, you starred in all the school plays, or a sports star, or something completely different. I'm going to go with, like, sports star. Okay. Because, like, the other two require some sort of filter or, (laughs) you know, ability for people to tolerate you. Okay. What was her sport of choice? Volleyball. Volleyball. Okay. I would imagine she would enjoy spiking that into people's faces. Yeah. I was definitely thinking, like, it's got to be, like, a violent sport, like lacrosse or rugby or something that she could just fucking just pow through. Rugby requires teamwork. I'm not sure about lacrosse. I think volleyball does. Most sports do. Yeah, but, like, volleyball, like, you got your area. That's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably the only other sport I could think of that, like, in high school, well... A high school might have a golf program or they might have a tennis program, things like that. I didn't want to do tennis or swimming because that's what I actually did in high school. Fair enough. <laughs> I played volleyball in high school. You have to react quickly. Yeah. I was I too much of a pussy to enjoy volleyball. Oh, I wrecked things. I went over the scores table multiple times going after ball. <laughs> well, it just hurt when I was doing like the setups for bumps. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm not doing this. This hurts. I was a good bumper. <laughs> Stace has gone into a fugue state into the past. <laughs> no, you're not supposed to do that for real. Oh, wait. So, sorry. Okay. Here I am. <laughs> so, Stace, where did the group get together to play together? Ooh. I'm going to say... I will say this. It can't be Jeremy Jericho's house because his parents were full-on satanic panic about RPGs. Oh, yeah. Why wouldn't we be under the bleachers? Well, I, I don't know. I'm playing outside, I guess. I feel like it could have been at 
anybody's house, really, unless you guys feel like it would be like a different location altogether. <gasps> well, actually, it would probably be Robin's house because her parents are so excited that people would talk to her. Oh, yeah. And nobody else wanted their parents around. So they would let you do whatever the oh. fuck you wanted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Your mom was like constantly bringing you pizza bagels and things like that. Oh, man. That's the best. Mm-hmm. I don't Yeah. Pizza bagels. Basically paying you and bribing you to be friends with their kid. Again, that's why Robin <laughs> was allowed the free stuff and the free yeah. space. Oh, yeah. The place to do it. As long as you weren't coming home, like, obviously, like, completely drunk or you were doing drugs at Robin's house, your parents were just happy that there was some other parent willing to watch you guys so they didn't have to worry about you on nights or days. Okay. Robin, who was the smartest of you? I feel like this is a trick question, isn't it? No. Depends how you want to interpret smart. Because we each have our own, like, specialities. Who got the best grades? Who was the sharpest among you? It's not to say that that's what's true of your personas now, but in high school, what was it like? I want to say Jericho. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Jericho, by the way, is there on scholarship. His parents would not have been able to afford to send him there. Makes Mm. sense. Who was the best looking of you? That is also a trick question. Thinking like teenagers for a moment. I feel like Imogene could be (laughs) cute. Yeah. Maybe that's part of the reason that she's like flared up kind of like what what if she's like uh, very conventionally attractive, but like kind of wants to like obfuscate that. Yeah. Just uh, show that she doesn't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. Take control of her look. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that, that brings up a question that's not on the list, but I'm curious about. Was Imogene always like that? But, like, was there a certain point where she shifted from... Was there ever a point where she was focused on, like, looking conventionally her best before she decided to start just kind of taking control of her look and I don't give a fuck what people think? Yeah, I I would say that probably took place in, like, middle school or junior high. Mm Mm-hmm. Sort of, like, a rejection of that, of the plastics. Is that what they were called in Mean Girls? The plastics? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 (laughs) I think. I will not wear pink on Wednesdays. (laughs) <laughs> Samson, who did people pick the most on in the group? And I want you to answer me this question twofold. Who did people in the school pick on the most? And internally as friends, was there somebody that you guys picked on more than others in the group? Uh, Not necessarily in a mean way, but just like you sort of gravitated towards that. I mean, if you like Robin so rude that like maybe... But she's also mean. Would you want to pick on the mean bitch? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I think in the group, probably uh, Reynolds got picked on the most just because he probably had the most mild response so people could, like, kind of... Shit on him. Yeah. Yeah, keep going. And the detail orientation. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. if we tried to pick on, like, Robin or Imogene, like, we would have gotten, like, punched in the face. Yeah, the group would have yeah. fell apart. Yeah. 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 But I think in the school, I feel like Jericho got picked on the most. Because yeah. his parents didn't pay for him to be there. I get the sense that he is... Smells of poor. Mm. <laughs> Smells of poor, very iconoclastic to the rest of the student body. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, he probably did the best in his coursework. Mm-hmm. Because he has on a scholarship, he had to keep mm-hmm. performing at a high level to keep his scholarship. Yep. Jericho was a threat. Got to mm-hmm. pick on that. That's why we beat the yeah. shit. I mean, what? Exactly. Horse <laughs> can't be better than yeah. us. What the fuck? Uh-uh. <laughs> yes. Who did the group fear at school and why? Ooh. You know, leave that open to any of you to answer. 
Like one of us four or another, a third party? Someone, s- some other group, some other person, like for whatever reason, like this was the person you feared, whether they were a bully, whether there were some other group of friends that for whatever reason you were nervous about, who did you as a group fear? What about a janitor that was kind of like very like rules oriented, like tattle, trench bowl, but a janitor, like that kind of thing. And we always had to be like aware because they could show up anywhere, interrupt the game, interrupt our truancy stuff. Mm-hmm. What was the janitor's name? Or if you guys wouldn't have known the name, what was the name you guys knew them as? Are we rude enough kids to just call them the janitor? No, I feel like it would be like Mr. Larringer or something like that. <laughs> I don't think we would have said Mr. I think we just said like Larringer. Oh, I'm sure that's what we said. Yeah. Mr. Larringer is just probably what we were supposed to call him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Robin, in your gaming group, who was your favorite person in that group? Oh, you're asking me all the trick questions. Well, everyone's going to have to answer this question. So nobody gets off easy on this one because you each have to tell me your persona's favorite and least favorite person in the group. I guess Reynolds. Was my, your favorite? Yes. Because you let her dunk on you. <laughs> like you're the one person who appreciated the dunking she assumed instead of tolerated it, which was fact. Okay. And who was Robin's least favorite one? Imogene. Because she is a woman. Mm-hmm. Dang. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, <Whoa>. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Reynolds, who was your favorite person in the group? Oh, man. I think probably uh, Jericho. Because even though it wasn't fully implemented, I imagine that there was a point where um, Reynolds can, like presented Jericho with like, hey, I came up with a whole economy for your world. We can use it. And Jericho said, okay, sure. And then, like, appeared to use it, but mostly oh. let Reynolds run the numbers. Right, right. Okay, that makes sense. And who was Reynolds' least favorite person in the group? I think it changed day to day based on who was the most, like, audacious. Because I feel like Reynolds would have been annoyed by Robin or Imogen, depending on who's got the biggest bug in their pants for a given session. Mm. Okay, I like that. Imogene, who was your favorite person in the group? I'm going to say probably Jericho. Probably seemed like the most genuine person in the whole group. Mm-hmm. And how about least favorite? Oh, Robin. I mean, that's <laughs> obvious. <laughs> when you when you get in that situation, there's no way out. So, <sighs> Yeah. Nobody likes the queen bee. Okay. Derogatory. <laughs> okay. So, Imogen, that record that made your life bad back then... Times past, things have moved on, but its effects still haunt you today. How does it impact your life? She had to go to a state school. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Like the pores. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. And I say, while she was there, she uh, fell into her same old ways, and she did not graduate. Ooh. Okay, okay. Reynolds, that goal in life, becoming a powerful banker, Wall Street guy, you didn't achieve it. (gasps) Why? Good old capitalism, baby. Reynolds made the mistake of being a little too competent in kind of the lower level entry level jobs and just Mm. could never get the promotion. Never quite had the people skills to network his way out. Just couldn't make the climb. Mm. Okay. But he did technically work on Wall Street. Oh, he made himself too good to promote. Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> it's a real thing, people. It is a real thing. 
So Robin, you were a sports star. I mean, whether or not it was your idea, it was clear that you could get a scholarship on that if you wanted it. It was clear that there might even be an opportunity to seek out some kind of professional role in it. You were that good. But that potential future never happened. Not even close. Why? Because, like, freshman year of college, during freshman week, she got drunk off her ass and tried to do, like, a stupid stunt to impress the other freshmen and ended up, like, wrecking her knee, losing her sports scholarship. And, like, she could never, like, do sports again. Yeah, it's totally fucked up. Like, she walks, like, with assistance with a cane. That much of fuck up. Wow. Oof. I have a question. Mm -hmm. Was she the classic clown before that happened or after? Before. And, like, that's her start of redemption. Like, where she's like, oh, I fucked up. And then so she spent, like, her recovery reflecting on that and realizing no one came to visit me in the hospital. Oh, yeah. No one's trying to help me get around. Like, I have no one. And I think she's realizing it's a consequence of the person she was. Oh, shit. Oh, that's awesome. So you've actually led into this next series of questions quite beautifully. So, Robin, tell me about your life now. What do you do for work? Are you married, dating, or single, divorced, kids? I feel like Robin would be, like, a divorced kind of person. And she's running, like, Mm -hmm. an animal rescue, and she got, like divorced because her partner wasn't taking the animal rescue serious enough like they're like hey i want to start a family we might have to cut back on the rescuing of the animals and she's like no these are my children they're like but children are important to me because they didn't have this conversation when they were dating or before they got married Uh, and she's like i actually don't want kids like these animals are my children and they're like oh fuck (laughs) <laughs> so it's like a pseudo amicable divorce because they're like we just don't work out and like she's grown enough mm-hmm. as a person to be like you know what yeah yeah okay and I'm assuming it's the animal rescue but there could be a difference in there what's the biggest responsibility you have in your life right now I think it's the animal rescue because she's like trying to be like the people on the TV show Pitbulls and Parolees where people just call at all hours of the day like hey there's this animal that you need to rescue and she shows up in her minivan with all her gear. She's ready to save them all. Okay. And how does that affect your life, for better or worse? She is very sleep-deprived. And, like, she doesn't, like, mm-hmm. take care of herself as much as, like, the average person. Like, her clothes... She doesn't, like, put together an outfit and, like, make herself look nice. She's more like, I'm functional. I can save animals at any time. She's probably going to show up with, like, a lead around her waist. Because she's like, oh, I just in case. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when the invite to the reunion arrived, not the game, the high school reunion invite, what made you not want to come? And why did you come anyway? She doesn't want people to, like, be like, oh, man, you're an asshole to her face. Like, she doesn't want people, like, bringing out the person she was. And being that, like, washed-up sports star, like, stereotype, where, like, they peak in high school. Yeah, yeah. So why did you come anyway? Like, to prove that she was better, like, she realizes her mistakes and she wants to be a better person. Mm. Okay, okay. And when Jeremy Jericho invited you to play a game at the reunion, what did you first think? This is going to turn out to be, like, a horrible, like, Revenge of the Nerds thing. 
mm-hmm. where they're gonna like get back at her for okay. being an asshole. Oh, so she's coming into this game thinking there might be a setup yeah. going on. Like this is a surprise intervention that you've been tricked into. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I love that. That's great. Reynolds, tell me about your life now. I mean, you couldn't get the promotions you wanted. What what do you do? What's your marital status? What do you have kids? Any family? Reynolds is on the grind. He is single. He has really nothing in his life except work. Mm. Yeah. That, stop calling me out. <laughs> so if he has nothing else in his life besides work, what is the biggest responsibility he has in his life? If it's work, what is it at work that he has the biggest responsibility for? I think it's, it is work, but it's probably again, too competent for his own good. He, I think he's, if not in charge, at least like a key person in a lot of different projects. So he's got a lot of plates spinning mm-hmm. that I think you just can't say no to. I think now he's starting to realize that's part of the reason why he's come to the reunion. But for a while, it was like, if I just keep working, keep keep going, keep my nose to the grindstone, eventually I'll get a step up. Mm. Okay. So how is that grinding affecting your life? Terrible. I think basically he's just rail thin now, like the yellow of like too many cigarettes around his eyes, mm-hmm. like bad breath, yeah, greasy hair, not very good yeah. teeth. Okay. And you sort of answered the reunion question. So what did you think when Jeremy reached out to you? What was the first thing you thought when he sent you this invitation? Oh, thank God. The group is going to be there. Yeah. Because it, it, it definitely was like, oh, I'm definitely going to know people. I'm definitely going to not be a fucking lonesome freak. Mm-hmm. Imogene, tell us about your life now. Yeah. So after Imogene dropped out of school, I would say now she repairs proprietary factory equipment. So, you know, how they have to send the, the repair person mm. who works for the company that makes the machines. And so she travels around a lot mm-hmm. in the region. And she does have one kid who is eight, but lives with their dad because she travels so much. Wow. Okay. She doesn't see her parents that often. She's gotten a lot of tattoos. She has a side chain. Yeah. What is the biggest responsibility? I would say getting herself to the factories, really. Just chugging along mm-hmm. it was uh i think it was probably one of the better things that ever happened to her she liked shop you know and uh she makes bank mm-hmm. with ot hell yeah so she works a lot of ot does that cap out over any personal responsibility she has she doesn't have a lot of responsibilities other than paying child support oh okay cool well not cool <laughs> but you know we've added a layer let's say she has a cap quick question uh, Stace, did you say Imogene has a side chick? Did you just slip that in there? Side shave. Side shave. Okay. Never mind. Yeah, that's a very different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> How does that responsibility affect your life, for better or worse? Well, the more she makes, the more she pays. No, um, I think for the better, it's something, it's like the thread that she has to hang on to. She's quite a loner. Mm, so she, okay. you know. Oh, so she pays child support. You know, she gets to see her son sometimes, some holidays, you know, all that. Mm -hmm. Right. When the invite to the high school reunion came, what made you not want to come? And why did you come anyway? She didn't want to go because she's rejected her parents and that lifestyle. But she was just really interested to see how everyone turned out in like a hopefully petty way, you know? Mm. Like she was she was hoping to see people who didn't achieve their potential. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, ooh, wow. that bitch. She's really hoping Robin's not doing well. 
Wow. So not even somebody outside of the group that she didn't like. She, she's particularly hoping the Robin isn't doing well. Oh, yeah. A not like other girls girl is terrible to have in a, in a group. It's it's awful for the other, other girls. Yeah. So this is real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And what did you first think when Jeremy Jericho invited you to play this game at the reunion? Uh, fuck it. Why not? Okay. Very cool. She missed Turgon. <laughs> okay. Players, we've got your personas. You've answered all these questions. We have an idea of who you guys are now. We're going to take a five-minute break. And when we come back, when you guys sit down at your mics, you will be your personas. So as you're coming back into your town, I'm going to make a leap and say you guys grew up in the suburbs. That's where this private school was. And... You're coming back into town. You've been to the reunion. You put in your appearance there. You did not see Jericho there. And you know that, oddly enough, for the first time ever, you're being invited to play the game at his house. Mm. In the intervening time, you've heard through the grapevine that Jeremy's parents passed. And he inherited the house, and Jeremy never left town. He's been in town ever since high school. And... As you guys individually arrive at Jeremy's house, you can see it's not a bad place by far. It's not that his family was poor. It's just that they weren't as well off as the rest of your families. Jeremy, on the other hand, has not been doing a good job with upkeep. His lawn looks rough. There are clearly some shutters on the windows that are like barely hanging on that have broken. Like he's very lucky he doesn't live in anywhere that's like a, has an HOA agreement Mm. or anything like that. Mm. Mm -hmm. And it is kind of, Oddly enough, like what you guys may have thought at some point as a rough area of town, although, you know, if Reynolds had gone off trying to go the financial route, you've now seen like proper big cities and know what a rough area of town actually looks like. This is not it. It's the equivalent of a suburbs idea of the rough area of town. Who arrives first? Like what order do you think these people arrive in? I feel like Reynolds is probably the more, the most punctual of the players. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reynolds pulls up in his Subaru sedan, or maybe, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just that kind of, uh, maybe 10-year-old sedan car kind of car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pulls up, looks around, notes <laughs> the state of things. and Yeah, yeah, okay. Does anybody else arrive around the same time as Reynolds, or is Reynolds there early, way earlier than the rest of you? Imogene would not be early. She would definitely not want to be the first person there. So I would say she shows up like 15 minutes after the agreed upon time. She rolls in in her like F-350 Super Duty extended crew cab monstrosity (laughs) and takes up like the whole driveway. Squeezes in. Does it have truck nuts? No. (laughs) It's got fuzzy dice, though. (laughs) I I would say she squeezes in so tight that Reynolds would not be able to open his driver's side door. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, perfect. And when does Robin get there? I think she's 30 minutes late and shows up with a cat. <laughs> like, just in a carrier? Yeah, like, she got sidetracked rescuing a cat. <laughs> it's just meowing. <laughs> she just saw it wandering, and then just, she scooped it up. But she, like, knows the difference between, like, a, a somebody letting their cat out, which you shouldn't do, and, like, an actual, like, stray cat. And this was, this is clearly a stray cat. It's, like, a little dirty a little skinny. <laughs> and it's just like, I've been kidnapped, but this is good. Yeah. I've been kidnapped, this is good, 
but they're also like they abjectly hate anybody that looks at them mm-hmm. funny. So Jeremy greets each of you at the door independently and you show up. Jeremy has long, like probably down to just past his shoulders, like stringy, like dirty blonde hair. Like he looks like he probably hasn't showered in a day. It's a little bit greasy. He's wearing a old like t-shirt that's got Warhammer based Marines on it. Mm-hmm. And he's wearing a army surplus jacket that probably dated back to originally in the 70s. So he probably thrifted it. He doesn't look out of shape or anything like that. Like, And he's not gaunt. He has stubble, but not really a beard. But he still has very bright and sharp blue eyes. And he excitedly welcomes each of you in. We'll skip past the awkward like one-on-one conversation as the group comes in. Just because that sounds like hell that you put me through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you have to do it three times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you come in, and this is really like the first time you guys have spent any real length of time at Jeremy's house. You know, with the Satanic Panic stuff, since you were his gaming group, in his parents' minds, you guys were probably the bad influence, even though he was the one that, coming up with and creating the games. And when you come in, there's still a lot of like, like over the top religious iconography. It's none of it is like cared for. It's just clearly like, even though you guys all know his parents probably passed away eight years ago, like he just hasn't bothered to do any redecoration in the main areas, except for the living room. And when you come into the living room, it is posters of fantasy movies, like Lord of the Rings posters. He's got bookshelves filled with fantasy books, you know, both sort of like the classics as well as like the even more experimental like slipstream stuff and he's also got like all sorts of fantasy maps that he clearly commissioned you guys aren't actually sure what he does for a living that that's something you haven't heard one way or another but he's clearly invested a lot of money in these things and as you guys come in he's like well it's obviously we're not at robin's but i i bought pizza bagels just in case (laughs) oh man i haven't had pizza bagels in a long time yeah, well, um, I, I've got the oven preheating, so we should be good for that. And um, I've also got some beer. And he points to, like, a cooler. And if any of you look inside that cooler, you'll see it's just a six-pack. I mean, I'm going to say Imogene definitely brought beer. And I'm going to say some bean dip. <laughs> okay, okay. Anything to dip into the bean dip? Yeah, I like some tortilla chips and Fritos. Yeah. <laughs> beer? Beer. Yeah. Eat it with your bottle yeah. cap. <laughs> yeah. So Jeremy is definitely like, he's baking pizza bagels for you, and he also has like a big bowl of bugles, essentially. Fuck yeah. Imogene says, sets down her 24 pack of PBR next to the. Nice. Yep. Nice. You know, I'll just get the pizza bagels in, but you know, it's, it's been a while. Uh, you know, I'm sure we all have things to catch up about, and then just like, walks out of the room. You notice that he has picked up the old habit. He has one bugle like <laughs> on his pinky finger like it's an extra nail and like he still does that. That's still his preferred way of eating bugles. So he puts one on his finger and then eats it when he gets hungry. I think I got bugles downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys do? You're sitting in this room on this old furniture. I imagine it's just stilted, awkward conversation that I don't want to role play because I don't want to do that in real life. Oh, I will. Imogene looks at Robin, looks at the cane, looks back at Robin, and she says, well, how's it going, Robin? Ah, uh, 
it's it's going. I run an animal rescue. And she like gestures at the... She brought the cat inside in the carrier. And I have... The cat hisses and spits every time you yep. gesture at it. And I have the best parking in the world now. Why? Ah, uh, double backflip off a balcony in college. Oh, well, I'm not completely surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we knew who I was then. Yeah. We knew. So fuzzy dice is your thing now? Yeah, you know, I uh, fix, fix machines. <laughs> at factories. Yeah, it's legit. That's a really nice job. I'm really proud of you. A lot of travel. Oh, that's awesome. Can I interest you in a cat? I already have a cat. <laughs> I, the more the merrier, I think, with cats. I, I kind of just feed strays, so I don't really have them in my house. <laughs> <laughs> they seem to like you. She's got like a little scratch like on her neck. <laughs> yeah. The cat turns around inside the carrier, backs up to the grill, and sprays out the back into the living room. <laughs> Robin, can we put that on, like, the porch or something? Or oh, That'd just be really mean. It meaner than keeping it in a cage? You want? I can let it out. I'm here. I... And she's, like, motioning down. Like, I'll, I'll let it out. Uh, no, 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 no. Maybe let it go outside. Not a cat person? I got, like, ten dogs you could... Adopt one. I, I my apartment doesn't allow for animals or pets. Your apartment in New York, or yes, yes, that's where Wall Street is. Yes, nice. Yeah. So, uh, selling stocks, or you know, uh, um, no, not yet. Um, I'm doing whatever low-level finance people do. Again, I don't know finance stuff. So, oh my god, are you a bookkeeper? Sure. Yes. Yeah, I'm, you know, keeping the books on a lot of uh, different accounts. So, you know, pretty important. Just not getting paid quite the sum I would, I feel like I should be getting paid. You know? Yeah. Yep. Hey, do you guys mind if I smoke? Nope. Um, we should probably wait for uh, J- Jeremy Jericho to come back. His house, his rules. Yep. Yep. That's, yeah. <coughs> yep. Jeremy walks back in. He is holding with oven mitts this tray of pizza bagels. He is wearing an apron that has a picture of a human with a chef's hat on, laying on the ground with a dagger in them, and this monstrous figure holding a plate, and it says, Kiss the Orc. (laughs) He comes in and brings the pizza bagels and sets it down on this table, and you realize... Even though this table's very low, you just assumed it was a leftover coffee table. You realize that this is, now that you're looking at it, this is one of those fancy modular gaming tables that he has got. Oh, man, I've looked at those. Oh, there's so much. (laughs) (laughs) You realize, you notice for the first time that there's a section that can be slid off the top to reveal a, a recessed area within. Like, you don't even have to see it. You guys are just tangentially aware of these products enough that he clearly has one. Are there cup holders on this one? There are cup holders. Man. <laughs> After he sets down the pizza bagels, he goes to the side and he like presses like almost like a hidden release and these cup holders eject out the side on the table. Reynolds starts kind of monkeying with his like I guess station and just pulling out all like the crazy drawers and different accessories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a dice holder compartment you can see that there's a little drawer and when you open it up you see 
a stack of essentially like laminated sheets. They're your old character sheets from high school. None of you gave them back to Jeremy, but he was always very meticulous about keeping track about what your characters did. And in honor of this game, he had kept track of them separately. So he has recreated the character sheets from your high school campaign. Mm -hmm. The one you guys never finished. Jericho, this is sick. Yeah, thanks. I, uh, you know, insurance and all, and I had some leftover, so I got this. It's nice, and yeah, it works out well. And something occurs to you that you guys have seen this before. This is a recent model. Jericho's parents died eight years ago. It occurs to you that this is a model that was only announced last year, and it suddenly hits you with Jericho's nervous glances in your direction that he may have somehow, if not direct from the factory, because those orders take a long time, he bought this maybe even just for this game. Aww. I think Robin looks a little uncomfortable. Like, what is happening? This is a nice table. Jer, this is nice. Yeah, yeah, thanks. I, I like it. Um, uh, uh, Feel free to eat, eat. I mean, uh, it, it's there to be eaten. Um, it's a good idea to eat early because, you know, I'm not a huge fan of eating like in the middle of role play. So it might be a good idea to get it down now. But yeah, uh, I've I got this thing set up. I, I found a new a new game to play online and it's really cool. I think you guys will really dig it. I kind of homebrewed parts of the system. and I, I updated your character sheet so it should work in the new system. But everything else, I tried to keep it as close as possible to all your characters from before. Oh, yeah, there he is. Good old Renard Bedlam. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he uh, hands you the character sheet. says, like, Rander Bethlehem, our godbinder. Is that how, I guess, quick question, high-level question, Do we did we play this RPG? Is this a familiar RPG, or is this, like, a new system? So these classes are familiar to you. These are, you. you all, he always had this class. There were these notions that when you look at, like, your character sheets, what they have written on them, you see that he has, like, mechanized some of like the things that were really just flavor text to you guys in the original campaign but the things like you were a cleric but you guys had worked out this sort of interplay of like maybe he's somebody who makes deals with the gods instead of just being a you know a worshiper or evangelist of them but he's mechanized that now completely and you know you even see on the character sheet he's got a note that Reminds you what you guys wrote together on a scrap of paper at one point when you were trying to figure out how your character was going to work. What does it say there about the Godbinder? Godbinders are basically like the blurred line between cleric and warlock to use like the D&D 5e uh, terminology. I do not believe in gods. I believe in tools, useful tools is the tagline. Although I'm also a fan of the difference between cleric and demonologist is the same as the one between freedom fighter and terrorist. So... Mm. And here, uh, Imogene, like, he kind of shyly hands you your sheet. And uh, what's the character name at the top of the sheet? Trion the Terrible. Trion the Terrible. We're always, like, the fighter class kind of thing. But you, over the course of your guys' epic high school campaign that never finished, you and Jericho had kind of worked out this sort of flavor around emotions and things like that. What was the core emotion of the Terrible? Loathing. Ooh. Which contains... um Clothing, disgust, and boredom. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he hands you the character sheet and says, Here you go, Imogene. Um, it's your loath night. Oh, thanks. Man, I remember this. And... Just so you know, my weapon is uh, 
the adorable opposite of what you'd expect from it. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. There's that character sheet. And what does it say about the Loath Knight? The Loathing Knight, Turgon, is one of the world's greatest warriors and is devoted to loathing, one of the eight sacred emotions. If they feel it, they can use it to fuel the power of their sentient arcane weapons. And then once consumed by their sensation, they're capable of miraculous feats, such as defeating an army on their own. They can defeat anything mm-hmm. except the passion which drives them. Nice. And Robin, I've, I've got your fool already. Thanks. And when you look at the fool, what does the character name that you see there at the top, and what does it say about the fool on the character sheet for you? It says Joker and Holly. Always look on the bright side of life. As the song goes, it's true. If a fool's laughing, you'll get out of this hell alive. If you get a laugh, your enemies won't be laughing much longer. Don't take things too seriously, and it won't get too serious. At least for the fool. The fool's the swashbuckler, a romantic rogue, the life and soul of the adventure party. The rest think they're irresponsible, but the fool's abilities mean the only responsible thing to do is be irresponsible. So screw everyone else if they can't take a joke. Fools rush in, and their friends have to deal with the consequences. Just to give us a little bit of flavor, that old character sheet, there's a thing about your trade, like, are you more a bardy type? Were you a rogue type, a swashbuckler, a con artist? Like, what was your character like there? I think Joker was more of a... I want to say trickster wizard. Okay. Yeah, so you can cast minor magical spells. Woo. Oh, I have to go to that page just so I've got it ready. I know. I was just like, nothing else sounds like what Robin would have been in high school than a trickster wizard. I'm sorry. Okay. This game I put together is special. He brings out this really ornate wooden box. And when he opens it, you can see there's all these cushions inside of it. He reaches into this beautiful cushion dice box. that's very deep. And he pulls out a D8 and he holds it out to his image here you go, Loath Knight. There's only one D8 in the game, and it's yours. Thanks. She eats it. <laughs> he reaches in, he pulls out a D12, and he says, Godbinder, this is a D12. It's the only one like it in the game, and it's yours. Uh, thank you. And he reaches in and he pulls out what looks to be like almost like a kind of shitty looking D6. And also he pulls out a Sharpie. Dear fool. This D6 is special. There's none like it in the game. And it's yours. Thanks. Draw a circle around one of the numbers. You'll understand later. Uh, okay. So which number do you pick, Alex? Because I need to know I'm that. I'm going to roll play. it and see, because I don't. Oh, good idea. We're going with one. Ooh. Okay, so one has a circle. Guys, this is going to be so much fun. I'm so excited that you guys came. I mean, I've been thinking... Uh, I've been thinking about this for like maybe like a, a year now. It was nice to have Reunion. It was a good excuse to reach out to you all again. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, just give me a second. And he reaches in the box and he pulls out a D20. And he says, this is a D20 for the master. There's only one like it in the game. And it's mine. Because this time I'll be playing a character too. Everybody, put your dice in your hand and make a fist. And hold it out over the table. And he's moved it out to reveal the felt lining of the table. We'll all close our eyes. I'll count to three. And then we're all going to drop our dice on the table. Okay? All right. Yeah. Okay. Sure. One, two, 
three. And you all drop your dice. Okay. Now open your eyes. And as you open your eyes, you realize you are somewhere else. Your dies are sitting on this table in front of you, a table that is roughly the same shape as his fancy table, but this one looks a little bit more rough-hewn. You're in a room that has echoes of his living room. There are bookshelves that, that have tomes on them. You can't even read the titles. Instead of posters, he has a painting on the wall. And he says, Welcome back to the Nocturnal Empire of Athen. And he reaches down and he grabs his d20. And there is a light that shines around him. He almost seems to twist in the air like a full Sailor Moon transformation. And as he's spinning around, you notice his army surplus and his old t-shirts, they disappear and are replaced with like stereotypical like wizard's robe and hood from fantasy. But you can see that underneath that cloak, he's wearing like definitely fetish gear that's been inspired by those like few games of Vampire the Masquerade you guys played together when it was first coming <laughs> out and you were trying out different systems. <laughs> like, so he's, he's doing the full look of like wizard vampire and he stands there and he says, the game starts now. And he tosses something on the table. It bounces off. You don't know where it goes. And he disappears. What the fuck? Um, <coughs> fuck. Okay. Did he put something in the pizza bagels? I, what could he have possibly put in there? Drugs? I don't know, LSD? This, what do we see when we look around? What, what? There's one door on the far side. It looks like a medieval door, by the way. <laughs> it's got a lock in it, but it doesn't look like a complicated lock. It's just like, you know, if you had the key, it'd be easy. And if you knew how to lock pick for real, you could probably get through it. Who knows? Maybe it's not even locked. And otherwise, this just looks like sort of a fantasy parody of his living room, except there's only one door. The grumpy cat is not there. There's no sign of the cat. And you hear a noise, a shuffling sound from outside the door approaching it. Are we also suddenly in like fantasy get up and everything? No. Oh shit. Not yet. You're just personas with your dice sitting on the table in front of you. Oh. I guess Imogene will grab the biggest book available from the shelves and stand mm-hmm. next to the door with her back to the wall. It's like waiting for it to open. Mm-hmm. Okay. Reynolds grabs a chair and holds it up defensively. I guess Robin's going to pull the lead off of her shoulder and kind of look like she's about to use it like a whip. Mm. You hear a sound just outside the door, like a hand slowly running down the wood. And then you hear the faintest sound of static. The door handle begins to turn. And the door begins to open, and that sound of static gets louder as twisted visages walk in the door, like humans riddled with silver wires, animated corpses kissing to you in binary with long claws and hungry mouths as three of them walk in the door. And you remember Jericho's favorite monsters, the cybernetic zombies that he called the Fallen. And that's where we'll end this episode. Oh, God damn it. Ah, son of a bitch. Cybernetic zombies? Alex, something about this episode. Ah, uh, I actually loved it all. Like, the choices we made, the role-playing, and, like, just, like, talking out the scenario and just building the world together, like, on air. Mm-hmm. I think that was, like, really cool. And we all got to be like, okay, mm-hmm. Who are we going to be and what would that person be like 
if like after 10 years. Mm -hmm. How hard was everyone trying not to make their actual high school person? Because I definitely had to keep that in mind while making a rental. Yeah, I was definitely trying trying not to do that. (laughs) She's quiet and she studies a lot. (laughs) Oh, I just went with like, what would a high school person who picked the fool be? And I was just like, oh, Mm -hmm. I know. Mm. I mean, fortunately, it wasn't me. I was very antisocial, mm-hmm. massively depressed, but that's, you know, chronic illness. That'll do it to a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although that kind of thing could drive somebody to play the fool, too, because it's the one place where they could be like that. Oh, true. Mm-hmm. But I like where we're at. That's good. Well, we have a segment that we do each week called Player Intrusions. That's where we offer you, the listener, an XP to check out something that we think you really dig. This week, it is Samson's Fuck. turn. So you offer our listeners an XP to check out. (laughs) I would offer our listeners an XP to check out a movie called In the Mood for Love. This is a Wong Kar Wai movie. I think it makes like the top 10 lists for very hoity-toity movies. And honestly, yes, it should be on those lists. (laughs) This is a movie set in 1950s, 60s Hong Kong. And it follows these two people who are married to different people, and they independently discover that their partners are cheating on each other with the other. Oh, shit. And, you know, they discover this, and then they kind of start their own intimate relationship, but completely unconsummated. It is entirely like an emotional intimacy kind of movie. This is a movie I think I'm going to do a disservice in trying to describe why it's so incredible, because it's shot like a memory. Mm. It, like jumps in time unexpectedly between shots and you have to like just pick it up from context clues that like months and weeks are passing it also uses like repetition in a way that i have never seen done before kind of like it's like a memory where things that are similar just kind of get compartmentalized as time passes and then things blend together and it's just this beautiful heartbreaking movie because it's very obvious that these two are so good for each other they need each other in so many different ways but they are also the better partners in each of their relationships, so they never consummated, and eventually they stop seeing each other. And it's just this heartbreaking trip of nostalgia and desire and intimacy, and it's it's delightful. It's just a delightful movie to cry to. At time of recording, it is on HBO Max, and I assume also uh, Amazon. You could probably get it there as well. Yeah, this is an incredible movie. And it has, if anyone's ever seen Hero with Jet Li, it's got Broken Sword and Flying Snow as the oh. two main uh, two main actors. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. In the Mood for Love, HBO Max, at time recording. Okay. And if people wanted to tell us what they think of In the Mood for Love or the podcast, how would they do that, Samson? Obviously, they come to our socials. You can find all our socials on our website, explorerswanted.fm. You can see that we have a Twitter, at explorerswanted. On Instagram and Facebook, we are at Explorers Wanted Podcasts. On Mastodon, we are at Explorers Wanted at Dice.Camp. But the best place to hang out with us is our Discord. It's just a good place to be. We got all the good channels there. ExplorersWanted.fm slash Discord will bring you there. Also, if it is within your means and you're feeling generous, Patreon.com slash Explorers Wanted is the place to chuck money at us and support the show. And, and or you could use our Dice affiliate code with Die Hard Dice, Explorers Wanted, check out and get 10% off your order. Awesome. Yeah. And if you can't financially support us, we totally understand. The best thing that you could do for us is tell your friends, tell them why you like the show, why they should listen to it. 
Second best thing is to leave us a five-star written review on a podcast directory like Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. It makes such a huge difference for people finding the show and getting those little nuggets of feedback makes us all warm and fuzzy inside. If you didn't like the podcast or you just thought it was meh, well, I've been walking all day and I got to tell you, my dogs are barking. And by dogs, I mean my feet. And by my feet, I mean the twisted, mutated stumps that I stride on. The ones with the long snouts and the sharp teeth that breathe occasional gouts of flame if I step too hard. I'd love to rest, but you know how they are when they pick up a scent. Nothing will stop them till they hunt it down. And the last thing they smelled was you. If you want to reach out to us individually on social media, you can. You can find me on Macedon as Daniel at Andrelik, A-N-D-R-L-I-K dot org. You can find me on our Discord. I'm Stace Windu. Joe Feet Dan. I'm at Slam Potato on Twitter and at Slam Potato at Dice.Camp on Mastodon. Imagine that kind of OnlyFans content with those kind of feet. <laughs> I'm Realty Unicorn on Twitter and Two with the Unicorn on Twitch. It's definitely Vor. All right, that's it for us. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week as we will for every week in the foreseeable future. Have a good night, day, weekend, or whenever you're listening to this. And bye! Bye.